Please be advised that this episode carries a content warning regarding injured animals and the implication of possible animal death. Happy holidays and welcome to Certain Point of Yule. Now is the season of our Christmas content, which means that we plan on watching those new Christmas movies so you don't have to. I'm Frankie. And I'm John. And joining us today is Cineguy Steven of Real Movie Critic versus The Cineguy. Hello. How you guys doing? Hi, Steve. Thank hey, you Steve. so much for joining us. Do you prefer Steve or Steven? Whatever suits you best. Okay. Call me Steve-O, Stevie. I've heard them all pretty much. All right. Just wanted to make sure that we weren't crossing any boundaries. Not to worry. Important question. What is your favorite thing about the holiday season? Ooh, I will definitely say that it's got to be, you know, like basically the atmosphere, you know, like everything just feels so peaceful and colorful. Like, you know, I just I just love Christmas when I get together with my family and all that stuff. You know, we get to, like you know, share and all that stuff. It's just like, you know, it's, it really is the season, the season of giving and love. That is for sure. That's a wonderful answer. Yeah. It's very sweet. Thank you. I rehearsed it early, earlier, so. <laughs> <laughs> Practiced it in front of the mirror. Wait, we should rehearse yeah. things before we come on? Oh, I don't. Oh, me neither. Oh, man. But Steve, what about your favorite holiday movie? Uh-oh. <laughs> you're oh, asking no. a film critic. You're asking a film critic this question. <laughs> They're asking what my, what my top three favorite movies are. Um, I like a variety of them, but the number one holiday movie that I feel like you have to watch during the holiday season, like, it's illegal to not watch this, and that is It's a Wonderful Life. All right. Surprising answer. I thought you were going to say Die Hard for some reason. <laughs> I'm not that predict- predictable. <laughs> hey, guess I- which movie I've never seen. Really? We still haven't sat yeah. down and watched this? You haven't uh, seen Die actually- Hard? Te- technically either of them i've never actually seen die hard in its entirety and i have never even watched a single minute of it's a wonderful life uh, okay we're gonna fix that this year. always accepting the clips of it that pop up in other movies as people are watching it <laughs> for sure for sure we're gonna fix that if it makes you feel better my first i've seen it was in 2018 so i was late too all right we used to watch it every year with my dad. It was a double feature of the Albert Finney Scrooge, followed by It's a Wonderful Life. Nice. We stopped doing it when my dad passed because it was just too much emotion. So I was just like, I can't do this anymore. That's fair. So that's why I haven't really watched it since. But maybe we'll do a special episode about It's a Wonderful Life. Uh, sure, yeah. Okay. Thank you for giving us that idea. Of course. That's why I'm here. So let's get into the movie we're talking about. We are talking about The Christmas Chronicles Part 2. Yeah. Not just 2, Part 2. Yes. Very specific. Uh, It's a comedy adventure that was released on Netflix on November 18th of this year, starring Kurt Russell as Santa Claus, Goldie Hawn as Mrs. Claus, Darby Camp as Katie, Julian Dennison as Belle Snickle, and Jazeer Bruno as Jack. There were a lot of other people in this movie, but these are our most important. Steve, would you like to break down the premise? Uh, Yeah, sure. So... It's like a, the movie's a continuation of the the first Christmas Chronicles when it introduced Curve Russell, just like you know, like sassy, wisecracking Santa Claus. He is not the the typical stereotype. There is no ho ho ho. There is no fat. And my gosh, does he have a mouth? <laughs> That's for sure. 
And yeah, it's a continuation. Um, we see the little girl, K- Katie, from the first movie. She's now a teenager. And once again, she's still trying to cope with the death of her father as her her mom tries to move on with, with a new boyfriend. And then next thing you know, she's dragged back into the North Pole with her with um her supposed like will soon to be uh stepbrother Jack. And they must save Christmas from this like evil elf who wants to take over Santa Claus. Yeah. Our new antagonist for this movie is Bell Snickle. Great name. <laughs> Twelve out of ten. Please. I very please, much please. like how they did Bell Snickle's arc. Yes. It was very interesting. For sure, for sure. Especially for Julian Dennison. Let's start off talking about the things that we liked. Would you like to kick us off? Sure. So the big things I did like about this movie has to be like Basically, the charm and the heart it really gave to us, like like we mentioned them. Um, are we are we allowed to say spoilers on this on this on this show? Yes, you can. All right, so yeah, I just I just love the whole message of like you know moving on and you know finding closure while dealing with loss. Like the whole scene at the airport where she meets her teenage dad, that was just amazing. I when I saw like oh I know who that is it's gotta be the dad <laughs> that got me excited. <laughs> oh yeah, I love that moment. It was. I was like, wait a minute. 1990, a teenager who looked kind of like her dad. Oh, you're going there, movie. I see what you're doing. <laughs> the second yeah. I saw Boston in 1990, I was like, her dad's going to be there. <laughs> for sure. For sure. Yeah. And yeah. It was just like such a like um, a heartwarming moment where she finally got to say goodbye, pretty much. Yeah. Yes. And there's that also like the whole like, you know, magical family adventure feeling it gave off. Like the director was Chris Columbus, best known of like the Harry Potter movies of the first two and uh, the ho- the first two Home Alone films. And you could tell this was a Chris Columbus movie. He really, you know, gave us gave us that same vibe that we got from Harry Potter. It's a fun family film. It's never childish, and even adults can enjoy it. And we did. We did (laughs) enjoy it. We did indeed. One of the things that I really loved was their take on Mrs. Claus. Yes. Never once was she like the ball and chain. Never once was she just kind of there. She had her own role. She had her own uses. She was basically like a hedge witch to Santa, and I loved it. She was his healer. She took care of the animals. She designed the entire village. And even though Santa is the face, she's definitely the heart. Oh, absolutely. I also just like, and I, I mentioned this like three times during the movie, but I love that her her hair just looks like a Christmas ornament. It's very, very <laughs> delightful. Goldie Hawn was uh, an amazing Mrs. Claus. Her costuming was top notch. The hair design was just mm, chef's kiss. The like, she's an alchemist. She's just like she's so cool. Santa Claus is just like full on wizard, and like his wife is an alchemist, and like they are a perfect complementary duo. Um, and like, I love the fact that we had like two uh, concurrent storylines, like two conflicts going on through this, um, and that they never once seemed like one of them was more important than the other. It was just like Santa Claus and Mrs. Claus, and they're they're saving Christmas together. Yeah, Mrs. Claus had her own task that she needed to complete that was just as important as what Santa had to do, and also Jack who was struggling with anxiety and struggling with codependency, got the opportunity to step outside of his shell and to become a hero. And that was because of Mrs. Claus. That was because she believed in him. Yeah, of course. 
I love how in both of these movies, the clauses just con these kids <laughs> into no but here's the best part is because like they're not doing it in a malicious way they're like conning these kids into self-confidence <laughs> like i'm gonna trick you into believing in yourself and if that's not the most santa claus thing ever i don't know what is <laughs> well hey i could use some of that right now this yeah. claus hit me up i need some self-esteem boosters <laughs> I also I need some snowman cookies. Yes. I also really love that we got introduced to like other Yuletide myths. Like we get Jola the Yule Cat in there, which is like a real honest to God thing. Um, we get like the the like Asia Minor origins of Saint Nicholas, um, like as just a wandering like patron saint of thieves and children putting gold coins in people's shoes and gifting them oranges. Uh, and like it was just it was lovely as a historian to see like those those touches in there. It was great. I didn't even really think about it from a historical standpoint. Yeah. Another thing that I really liked was that we got more of the elves and we saw how the North Pole worked. This is always something that you can't escape from when you're thinking about the Santa Claus myth and how to bring it to life for present day. It's something that you have to think about and rationalize. And I think they did a really good job. I like the idea that elves are not just people. Yeah. <laughs> they're sentient, but they're also like perpetual children. Does that make sense? Yes. Yes. Because um, they've like they they've got like their fun loving stuff. Like Bjorn is constantly shoving candy canes into his mouth and like Mina is just like this like delightful little like she's she's like uh one she's foot tall of, she's one foot tall of fight me um and it's it's wonderful um but like again like they brought in like actual like there are myths about elves all over the world and like so it's not just like Santa's elves there are like forest elves out in Asia Minor and like that's where Santa Claus got his Santa magic from like from these tiny little adorable like bow wielding just elves yeah couldn't think of a word that wasn't a curse word I liked that they <laughs> were creatures that were not humanish yes because I always feel weird about elves just being humans with pointy ears yeah. I mean, I didn't mind it in the Santa Claus because, like, they were limited in, like, the effects budget that they had. But I liked that we had, like, these tiny one foot tall. They've got their own language. They've got their own things. They're all really, really strong. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes. One thing's for sure. They, these elves are a lot better than the ones from Fred Claus. Those little, like, CGI human face hybrid things. Oh, God. Oh, my gosh. I can... Uh, only, like... Only, like, the... the Basically, like, uh, the lady elf was the only person who was, like, human size. The rest were, like, you know, CGI faces. It's, it was kind of like the movie Little Man but by the Wayans Brothers. I'm not into that. <laughs> nope. I'll take <laughs> the little furries anytime. I love the little elves. They're all, they all have very unique personalities, too. Yes. Like, it's not copy and paste. Like, you have Bjorn, who loves eating sweets. You have Mina, who is very, like, stern and like, oh, God, we have to clean all this up before Santa finds out. Then we have Hugs, who... <laughs> is way too free with his use of chainsaws. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Hugs. I love oh, Hugs. hugs. The the both of the Christmas Chronicles movies aren't afraid to like walk right up to the line of like we're no longer a kids movie uh, yeah. without ever like crossing that line 
I mean, there are some like adult-ish moments in them, some like things that are going to like make you gasp and whatnot, but they they very carefully walk that line, and I think they do it very, very well. Um, I'm thinking of a very specific scene from Christmas Chronicles 1, and you know exactly the scene I I'm talking about, where one. Hug almost just bisects a man with a chainsaw, and then we just like, we walk it off, like, oh, nothing, nothing happened, it's fine. <laughs> it's totally, totally fine. It's totally fine. <laughs> I did really like Bell Snickles' entire arc, as I mentioned before. He was an elf who loved Santa and Mrs. Claus, but he got very jealous because Santa was spending all of his time thinking about how to make Christmas better for all the children in the world. And Bell Snickle thought that he should be paying more attention to him and not human children. And given what Bill Snickle had been through, I understand the hatred of humans. Honestly, I get it. Yeah, we, we get some history of the elves that's very, ugh. But I, I like how Bell Snickle's arc is like, this is what could happen to our good friend Katie Cat should she, like, lean into the dark side. Because, like, she's also feeling jealous of, like, her mom's attentions being pulled away, not from like her specifically but from the memory of her dad and like she could very easily like become a belsnickel-esque character yeah but how poetic is it that when belsnickel broke all five tenets of being an elf he turns into that which he hates the most a human <laughs> yeah i oh, mm. it's the ultimate coincidence right there yeah. <laughs> it was a very good choice that they made. I like that. There are so many just like little things, like little touches I like about this movie. Like I like that Teddy is still like a delightful young man who like loves his sister and loves Christmas and he hasn't reverted in any way to being like a, a moody teenager. Uh, like he's not really involved in the plot of this movie, but he's still there and he still loves Christmas and his sister and it's wonderful. And it's just it's it's very cute and sweet and I love it. Teddy has matured a lot. Yes, he is yes. going to become a fine young man one day. I think he should intern with Santa. <laughs> I was also very happy that the secondary, well, not, not really secondary, but the additional protagonist of Jack was a young boy of color who got his own art that was not dependent on Katie at all. Not at all. Yeah. It's all, it's all about what he, his model, pretty much. There's a hero inside all of us. Yeah. Yeah. I really liked that. I thought that was a very nice touch. Do we want to transition into things that we didn't like so much? Or was um, there anything else we wanted to call attention to? I do want to mention one more tiny thing. And this is like a, a very, very tiny thing. And I only noticed it because I was very much paying attention to what was happening. But when Jack finds the Christmas Chronicles in the room that they're going to take a nap in. And Mrs. Claus says, do you guys want to hear a, a Christmas a, a bedtime story? And they're like, oh, yeah, that sounds dope. She pulls the second Christmas Chronicles from the shelf. She literally takes down Christmas Chronicles Part 2. That actually happened twice. Yeah? Yeah. Oh. She put that first book down, and then she summoned another book, and it pulled a book from that same spot. Ah. <clears throat> so. And it was just like, I... I, I can only assume that it was an intentional little like Easter egg kind of thing, but like Maybe. I happened to be paying attention while it while she was doing it, and I was like, "Oh, that's clever. Good on you, Christmas there we Chronicles." Go. Yeah. I like how you say I happened to be paying attention, <laughs> as <laughs> so, if you were not paying attention to the rest of the movie. Sometimes oh, I'm man. looking down at my phone, and sometimes I'm gazing very, very intently at the screen. I only have those two modes. 
<laughs> well, hey, when you mentioned that, think of it like this. The whole thing with the Christmas Chronicle is that it feels kind of like like a like a story being told. What if the Avengers of Katie Cat, she's the one writing the Christmas Chronicles. This is her story being told. It could be. Yeah, I mean, they're definitely probably going to be in like later volumes of the Christmas Chronicles. But let's transition into things that were maybe not our favorite things about these movies or this movie. Mine's a little strange to be honest, and it's kind of like you're upset about that. The whole CGI Julian Dennison little elf. Was kind of like, oh my gosh. The other elves look like, you know, little, like, you know, furry creatures, while they pretty much just, like, copy and paste the CGI version of Julian Dennis's face on a little elf. That just, I don't know, it kind of looked weird for me. He he was the most human-featured one, because he was just, like, Julian. And I appreciate them, like, giving him more face time, so that he's more of a, like, a recognizable presence in the movie. But he was, like, drifting into the uncanny valley. Yeah, I understand not liking that. It didn't bother me so much, but I get it. It For bothers sure. me now that you've pointed it out. <laughs> Uh-oh. Look oh, what did you did. No, not my intentions. <laughs> so one of the things that I super didn't like, <laughs> every once in a while, the Christmas Chronicles veer toward, like, religious intent. And I, I don't like that. <laughs> Wait, you with the whole story of Bethlehem, Bethlehem thing? For example, in the first one, Katie and Teddy stop outside of a church and they talk about how they haven't been to church since their father passed. I'm like, okay, unnecessary. Plenty of people who celebrate Christmas haven't been to church their whole lives. That's unnecessary. Completely unnecessary. We can have a Christmas movie without leaning into, like, its Christian roots because a lot of, like, practicing atheists celebrate christmas yeah Um, i agree i'm a christian myself and i agree with you i didn't so much mind the star of bethlehem thing like i i would have preferred maybe a different star like i think we mentioned the north star when we were watching it but the fact that santa's like magic comes from condensed like starlight that the elves made a vessel for and that santa filled with like star magic like that's cool i'm down for that oh no i love the concept i do not like that there's these constant little hints at like religious roots yeah that's what i have a problem with because it just feels so unnecessary. Also, like, Santa Claus didn't start off in a Christian nation. Like, he started off over in what's today Turkey. Like, just, that's, that's like, not the roots of the holiday. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, even I know it's a pagan thing, so. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, that bothered me. <laughs> oh, man. Well, hey, don't just wait until Christmas Chronicles Carm- 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 Part 3 where she teams up with Jesus to save Christmas. Oh, no. Listen, just <laughs> Netflix don't make me wait two more years for it. Just give it to me next year. There we go. Please and thank you. One Christmas Chronicle per year. Other things that we didn't like. I know that the Santa raising Christmas spirit through music was set in the first one, but I felt like in the second one it was reaching and trying too hard. I do like the concept that airports are like low zones oh, no, of I christmas agree. spirit because i've been in an airport yeah i agree yeah no airports oh, yeah. are very much designed to be as boring and unfun as possible and i don't care because i have phone technology now and i have a kindle app on there and it's whatever but like yeah back in 1990 the year i was born without all of this brand new like fancy technology it would have been and then suddenly all the flights are canceled 
but it did feel a little more forced in this one because it wasn't Santa Claus who initiated the sing-along. It was, I don't remember her name, but the airport employee who had a delightful costume change partway through the singing, but like she initiated the sing-along and that felt a little weird. It was definitely weird. Well, it was all Santa's magic that, you know, compelled her to sing. And that's next thing you know, that's how what, what filled up the airport Christmas cheer. Yeah. So the character's name was Grace, and the actress portraying her was Darlene Love. Yes, and she has a Ooh. wonderful singing voice, and she was great, and the song was wonderful. And I love that they decided to repeat, someone is getting arrested, and some- Santa <laughs> is singing a song to raise Christmas spirit and get his mojo back. <laughs> I do like the idea that it's not a Christmas Chronicles movie if someone isn't arrested at least once. Yeah. <laughs> And if someone doesn't break out of jail, <laughs> I mean, I guess Santa didn't technically break out. He was released he in was Christmas Chronicles released. 1. But like, apparently Darlene Love just has like Christmas credits of like singing in every Christmas movie for the she... past decade, which good for good for her. Um, she used to sing on a whole bunch of Elvis recordings. That Ooh. is very, very cool. Oh, she was born in 1938. She looks great for like... Almost 80 years old. Women of what? color do not age. Exactly. Yeah. They are timeless. Wow. Let the rhyme go. I'm not going to say it, but you know what it is. If my math is right, she's 82 years old? What? I thought she was like 50 or 60. Maybe younger. She's born in 38. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Unless IMDB is horribly wrong. I believe this is her. No, that's definitely that's definitely the right actress. I, I think one of the things that we can all point to in Christmas Chronicles, just to, to move on so we don't have dead air here, uh, that maybe wasn't made us kind of worried and a little uncomfortable was the fight between Jola and Dasher. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, we issued a content warning at the top here. That was way too dark and unnecessary for me. I was very worried that Dasher was legit going to die. Like I mentioned earlier that Christmas Chronicles walks right up to that line and like, hey, y'all took a big old step over and then put your foot down on the ground and then you pull back real quick. But we all saw the footprints there. The footprints there and I don't like it. Okay, oh, I'm not just letting you know that now, Christopher Columbus. I don't like it. And like, it did create necessary drama, and it did allow for a second quest to have to occur at the same time, which was important. But I don't know. It was it was kind of brutal to watch to see Dasher just on the ground like that, and to not know if Dasher was going to live. And yes, that's dramatic, but like, I'm here for action and comedy. I'm not here to cry. Yeah, I'm here to watch Kurt Russell charisma his way out of trouble and con children into self-confidence. I am not (laughs) here to see one of the heroes of my childhood maybe dying. Oh my gosh. Well... Like you guys said, this ain't a kid's movie. It uh, takes a turn, you know. It really, really did. Yeah. I think that's really it for what I didn't like. I can't think of... Like, there's so many more things I could say that I did like because there's so much great stuff in it, but that's about it for things I did not like. Like, I was frustrated with Katie at the beginning because she was behaving like a real brat, but Mm -hmm. narratively it makes sense. Teddy had his chance to 
get closure and it was Katie's turn to do the same thing. And it is hard when your parent has passed away and your other parent is moving on and you're not ready to do so. Yeah. Yeah. I get it. But like, there were so many moments where Katie was just being mean to her mom. And I was like, this is unnecessary. We know that your mother is a nurse. We know that your mother like works very hard to make sure that you are happy. She almost decided not to go to the Mayan ruins because you were unhappy about it. She only went because then you flipped and said, no, I was being a brat. You should go. And you lied. And you, you lied. Lied, Katie. My gosh, Katie. I know. Also, what was even her plan? Okay, she was going to fly back to Boston, but then like. And then she, she was, was just going to be home by herself. Yeah, I think I think that was what? her whole plan. She was just going to abandon her family and go home and just like. Be with her friends who are having parties. Yeah. They were going to be worried about her, so there's really, like, no way this is going to lean towards her favor in the end. No, she was just going to ruin Christmas for her entire family. Exactly. She had convinced herself that they wouldn't care. Yeah, and, like, I get it because she's 12, right? Puberty does weird things to our emotions. Your prefrontal cortex doesn't stop developing until you're 25. So, you you, like, you have no rational decision-making processes when you're 12. And, like... Yeah, like moving on from a deceased parent can be a very rough thing, especially when you're young and your other parent starts dating again. That can be um, like, I get it. It doesn't excuse her behavior, but I get it. There's one nitpicky thing. If she's 12, she is not a teenager. Well, she's a preteen. She's a tween. It's close enough. Close enough. We've all had boots at that age, that's for sure. It had me messed up for most of the movie while we were trying to figure out how much time had passed and how old everybody was. It's true, because, like, they never, like, I think they mentioned in one that Katie was 10, right? Yes, I was going off of that the whole time. Yeah, and, like, I don't remember how old they said, or if they said how old Jack was in one. I don't think they did. Two years have passed between Christmas Chronicles 1 and 2. But also, like, the actress who plays Katie doesn't look 12. Darby Camp looks a little bit older than 12. Like, I would put her at 16. I think she's 13. I think she is, actually. Is when I was looking up fan casting for Circle of Friendship, I think Darby Camp was one of the names that came up. Yep, she's 13. Okay. All right, I'm bad at ages, then. Well, that's true. Yeah. Okay, anything else we want to talk about before we wrap things up? A time travel machine that runs on AAA batteries. I love the fact that there's great, wonderful technology in here, and we're just like, they don't really go into detail on how it works. It's just like, it's, he's Santa, they're elves, it works, be quiet. And I love that. (laughs) And that's all you really need. Yeah. Steven, do you have anything to add? Uh, well, all I can say is um, if you're into, like, you know, fun family Christmas movies that have a lot of spirit in them and a lot of charm, then do check this one out. It's a lot of fun. You will not be bored. Okay. So that brings us nicely into our overall rating. We give it an arbitrary rating based on our personal feelings. Just follow your heart. Out of five, how many tree toppers do you give this movie? I'm going to give it four tree toppers along with an extra four exploding ginger- gingerbread men. <laughs> John, how many do you give it? I give this one four and a half tree toppers. I think that it is a wonderfully solid Christmas movie. I think that it very much kept the spirit of Christmas Chronicles 1, which I give a five out of... I give it a billion out of five. It was perfect <laughs> and wonderful, and I loved it. It just... There were some 
moments that were a little too dark for my taste. Yeah, I agree. I also give it a four and a half out of five tree toppers. Just if that musical scene was a little tighter or cleaner, and if you hadn't threatened me with Dasher dying, <laughs> oh. then we'd be okay. Also, the oh Christmas tree at the end was... Oh, that was slightly unnecessary. God bless you, Chris Columbus, for not... Um, there's no blood in that scene and yeah, bless no you blood. for that that was at least point to you for that but <laughs> yeah Ugh. all right and that was the christmas chronicles part two on netflix thanks so much for joining us for this limited run of certain point of yule certain point of yule is a certain point of view production head over to certainpov.com to find a link to our discord and join in the conversation i'm frankie and i'm john and i'm steven the cine guy Happy holidays. We love you. Goodbye. See you greetings. CPOV. CertainPOV.com.